0: Here, I'll let them introduce themselves. Go ahead, then.
1: Hi guys, my name is Ben Anderson. I'm currently a student at UVA. I'm super excited to be part of the transfer portal team. It's my first month, basically, on the job, so I'm happy about that. Oh, that's good. My
2: name's Alright. Let's get my name's Karan at 905Karan on Twitter. Started writing for the transfer portal pretty recently, but um, yeah, I've been writing about the NFL draft lately. And I'm glad to be a part of the team.
0: Welcome both Karan and Ben. They are very knowledgeable. You'll see that down the line, if not already. And we'll just go right into it. We'll be like the one thing that we have talked about a lot is the electric players bracket that we have here. Uh, We have our final eight. And we're just going to go one by one in terms of who we have, who we have here and who would win this battle with these battles. So first off we have the number one seed top left is Reggie Bush. And he is facing fifth seed, Michael Vick who beat Bo Jackson in the last round. I disagree with that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so Ben uh, thoughts on this Reggie versus Michael matchup in terms of who is the most electric.
1: You know, I think that going back to playing NCAA college football, um, even Madden into there, I I can't I can't avoid Michael Vick in this in this matchup. I I love Reggie, but watching some of those highlights that Michael Vick had is just phenomenal. Um, him being a quarterback as well, I think, just adds to it because of the versatility of his position, being able to both make those amazing throws and run the ball. I think. I, I would pick Michael Vick to, to move on in this. I think that might be a bit of a maybe unpopular opinion, but I'm going to stick with my guns right there.
0: Okay. I mean, the transfer portal is here for boldness, and I respect that. Uh, Karan, how about you?
2: I, I hate that it has to be this matchup because it's, like, two amazing – obviously, just, like, two great players, but I think it has to be Reggie right here, right? Like – I would say Reggie's my pick to win the whole thing. We, we obviously haven't gotten there yet, but it's just he he was on a different level, different speed, and the game looks slow down if you watch those highlights.
0: Okay, one Reggie, one Mike. Guess I'm the tiebreaker here. Um, it's tough because I know for me, I do think Reggie should make the Final Four. Thing is, Michael Vick was just such a dog in terms of, like, how he played, athleticism, leading Virginia Tech to the national title game. I just, as much as I want to go with Michael, it's Reggie. Everybody here grew up with Reggie Bush. Like, Reggie was still in a center top 10 every single week at USC. It's him. Like, the only other, like, I see a few people that can take him, but I don't see them taking him at this point, so... I gotta apologize to Mike Vick, it's not him. So it's two to one, Reggie moves on, sorry about that. Now moving down the same bracket, we have arguably the toughest matchup I've seen here. We have number three seed, side note, Barry being a three is absolutely disrespectful, on side note. And then the number two seed is Vince Young. So we have Barry Sanders versus Vince Young, uh karan i'll start with you electric
2: um i i voted pretty early so i didn't see what the consensus was on this but barry obviously and we all know we watched him in the like in the nfl as well he was dominant but i'm gonna go vice vince young here i mean he was just like he was a dominant force in those 2004 2005 i'd like to say 2006 teams with texas and there's just that USC game especially is probably the most iconic performance in college football history in my eyes. So, yeah, I'd go Vince.
0: I'll go to switch up the order. Um, it's Barry. Barry's arguably, if not the best, collegiate running back, which is saying something when you have the likes of Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, Archie Griffin, um, Earl Campbell. Eric Dickerson, like you have all these legends, and Barry still stood above them, test of time. And this was before the bull stats, and Barry was putting the moves too. It wasn't like the they're like, I mean, he wasn't workhorse, but they weren't like making him be a bell cow per se. But like Barry was that guy. Vince Young was that guy too, but he it wasn't the one man show like it was Barry Sanders. I'm sorry. I just gotta go, with
1: Barry.
0: Here, yeah,
1: that's fair. Ben, time vote. So Please. I gotta go with Doug here. Um, I'm gonna go with Barry. You know, Vince Young does have that highlight. He has the highlight of arguably college football when he when he beat USC in the title game. But when you talk about records and when you really talk about just the amount of highlights Barry Sanders has during his time at Oklahoma State, I don't think he can beat it. He is like the standard for the running back position, I think, in college football. And like you said, he was putting up these massive stats even before the bowl games counted. Uh, Doug, you said that. I can't can't ignore what Barry did. So I'm going with Barry Sanders. So I guess I'll break that tie.
0: It's crazy because Barry had Thurman Thomas in the same backfield. And they were worried more so about Barry coming on than Thurman, which is saying something because Thurman was pretty damn good. So – all right, so we got Barry moving on. So we have all running backs uh, first semifinal, moving out to the Eastern bracket. We have no running backs in this uh, their, their side. So we have Desmond Howard, Michigan man, with Robert Griffin the Third. So I'll start off here because you two started already. Um, this is tough because. Dez has – they both have equally Heisman-worthy moments. I'm just going with RG3 here because I've seen more of his. And, like, Dez's Heisman footage isn't as – it hasn't popped out to me as much as it has RG3s. Like, RG3, everybody remembers the game against Oklahoma, literally all of it, the tip ball, the Kendall Wright, the – deep bomb to Terrence Williams with like 11 seconds left where he's scrambling and he plants and he bombs it across his body. Like RG3 was that guy. RG3 is that guy. And while Dez has the pose, they went roses. I just can't, like, I haven't seen enough to quantify Dez over RG3. So I'm going RG3 for me. I'll go my hand with Karan next.
2: Um, So I agree agree with you on the point that we haven't really seen as much about guys, but at the same time, he does have that moment with the highest man and he kind of did a bit of everything, you know, especially as a return man. That's how most people remember him Just incredible return man. And yeah, I'd I'd probably go with him just off of that. He was really like a, a revolutionary player for that return man position for the longest time, even now, people are just struggling to kind of, like, is the return, man, I got an actual position, should that be, like, in the NFL, like, should Devin to be a Hall of Famer? And I think Desmond Howard did a good job at kind of cementing that as, like, a real,
1: real position. All righty. Ben, you're up. Pressure's on me again. So, it's so hard to ignore the Heisman post. Like, Desmond Howard made that, right? He is that's in the highlight reel of almost every college football uh, YouTube video you'll find. But I might be showing my age a little bit. I grew up with RG3. I know the Oklahoma game, like Doug mentioned. That's that's a classic. I remember watching that live. Um, and I think something that is understated about what RG3 did is that he made Baylor cool. And I'm not sure, like, how much people realize how hard that is to do? Like Baylor was not a thing before. Baylor was like, pretty RT bad. 30. Yeah, and Robert Griffin III came in, and all of a sudden, you know, he was there. Like Baylor was on the map now. So, out out of I think impact, and you can't you can't do that without being a just an absolutely electric player. And I think based on that impact, I have to go with RG three.
0: All already RG three. We have. We have a one-seed, we have a three-seed, we have a four-seed. Well, we have a two-seed here because our final matchup here is Heisman winner Johnny Manziel versus Heisman winner
1: Lamar Jackson. Ben, you're leading off here. I think this one is super tough because you're comparing – and the other three you were sort of comparing different uh, positions, but Johnny Manziel and Lamar Jackson – can go toe-to-toe in all of their highlights, I think. Lamar Jackson, you got the hurdle, of course, against Syracuse and then him absolutely destroying Florida State when Louisville was up then. Um, and then Johnny Manziel, you can make 12 minutes out of just his 2012 season, I believe. So it was a tough, tough pick for me, but ultimately I think I'm going to go with Johnny Manziel. He did it first. He was he beat Alabama. I think the team success does have something to do here. Um, and Just Texas A&M was a must-watch TV for the entire time he was there. So it's a tough pick for me, but I'm going to go with Manzabel.
2: Okay.
0: Respectable choice. Respectable choice.
2: Karan? So as, as you said, this is probably the toughest one for me. I mean, these are two guys that I got to watch, and they were both really electric. I will say when it comes to team success, I would argue what Lamar did with Louisville with that group of players was more impressive than what Menzel did, objectively. That Clemson game is the moment that stands out to me. Most people remember it. The guy ran out of bounds, tried to the sticks. They probably should have won that game had that not happened. But yeah, I think obviously, moment to moment, it's pretty close. You know, Menzel had his moments, Lamar has the hurdle, Menzel had the kind of hurdle. That, that comes to mind, but I, I would go Lamar because I think what he was doing with that group of players was just, like, remarkable, and we don't, we don't see that very often.
0: Well, wow. We've needed tiebreakers literally every single time, and pressure's on me. Uh, so, on one hand, I do agree with Karan that with Lamar's talent level overall being the team talent level, being less at Louisville than Manzales was at A&M makes it more impressive what he'd done. The same time, they lost to Kentucky, before Kentucky was Kentucky. Lamar was Lamar, but they lost to Kentucky. Um, on a much more serious note, the one game that sticks out to me that's not the Alabama game is the Duke bowl game, uh, Texas A&M Duke, Chick-fil-A bowl the following year. IY uh, Menzel came back and that stuck out to me because he was amazing in that comeback. Um, like Menzel is great, but I'm throwing everybody a swerve. It's Lamar Jackson. So we got a one, we got a two, we got a three, we got a four. So, any objections? Any final comments? At least on us, those choices that we made before we talk about the overall bracket.
2: All of those were really close, man. I mean, I could see them going either way for all of them, pretty much.
0: Yeah, gotcha. I Yeah, no. Like, like I said, these are tough. Uh now moving on to the overall bracket. Like, do you guys have like any sort of? Snubs any sort of, I mean, like, season complaints will always be season complaints. I'm not really like mad at that per se, outside of the Barry one, which actually really infuriated me. But let's see the error there, or there. But like, any sort of like guys you thought should have been on here, like, just as a matter of they belong versus they don't belong. Any names that pop up for you guys?
2: Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw a lot of comments mentioning Darren McFadden. I'm not sure if he was on there or not, but.
0: uh no, he was not.
2: Yeah, that that was a big one then. And also Peter Warwick was one that was that I saw a lot of mentions about both of those guys, I think probably should have been on it.
0: I agree. Like I was a big advocate for McFadden. So yeah, totally agree.
1: But all right, Ben, any names stick out for you? Not necessarily um, out of the entire bracket, but I I do think Steve McNair got kind of a raw deal going up against Reggie Bush in the second round. I think I did a deep dive into Steve McNair a couple of years ago, and just some of his highlights are absolutely insane. And it doesn't matter whether he was playing on the on the D1, A level or the FCS level. I think he could have been much higher than an eight seed.
0: Third in the Heisman race, like McNair is legit, but the thing is everybody in their mother would have gotten a raw deal with Reggie, at least that early on. Like, it's just – that's just – you know what reminds me of? Like, for everybody that's a college basketball fan, that one year that Wichita State was the number one seed, and they got Kentucky, like, in the second round, and everybody knew it was, like, the most, like, fucked up, like, seeding, like, bracket in the history of brackets. And that's what happened here. Like – it's nothing against Steve. It's just like Reggie's a freight chain. Everybody loves Reggie. Poland loves Reggie. It just wasn't going to happen. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with you about um, Steve. And I know, at least on my end, there's a like, I would have swapped out a few running backs. I mean, like, a few running backs, few receivers. The big one, I wanted Tony Badger on here in terms of safety, because he was great as, I mean, he was great as a defense, not safety, great as a defensive back, he was great as a return man. Like, he single-handedly impacted SEC championship game with NLC's offensive struggling. Like, he was legitimately that good. Um, that's one big one for me. And then, yeah. terms of other electric, like McFadden was a great one. Um, actually that gives me an idea so like moving sideways uh what would you guys describe as like electric because like there were some shouts that we saw of like tim tebow and more so like Jameis winston and like baker slash kyler like you have guys that are obviously great but would you consider them like electric or would you just consider them like great and
2: because um, i know i think with go ahead sorry i think with electric it's like kind of like and obviously this is sort of like the same thing how to define it but uh, electrifying moments right stuff that has you out of your seat stuff that you remember for years like obviously we talked about lamar with the hurdle against syracuse There, menzel has his moments like there's something you remember all of these moments and that kind of goes that that's what i kind of see as electric right? right and obviously like the highlights count the stats count but at the same time it's just how do you remember this guy like
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I would say, you know, were you scared of playing him? Um, From from that aspect, I think that would be how I define electric. I would be terrified of playing Lamar Jackson just because there are so many ways that he can beat me and so many different skills he has that he could just explode. And you wouldn't know, when I say explode, you wouldn't know whether I meant he threw an 80-yard bomb for a touchdown or – he juke three guys out of their shoes on a 50-yard touchdown run, right? It could be either of those things. And that what that's what makes Lamar electrifying for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, like, both of those are great. Like, I want to hit home, at least for me, it's more so, like, how they do it. Because, honestly, I don't find, like, a Mark Ingram, to me, isn't electric. Derrick Henry to me as an electric. They're like, they're great. Don't get me wrong. They're amazing. They deserved Heisman's. But like, they're not a Steve Slayton. They don't make you get out of your seat. Like, yeah, they might truck guys. They might break it through a hole. Or like, they might like break a few tackles and bust a big drum. But like, that's not, I'm like, okay, nice. But like, Reggie is like, like, you're just wondering like, how did he do that that's my whole like yeah it's like you can't really quantify it it's just like it's a feeling like all these players are good but like you feel a different way when they do something to you that one hand you admire another hand you feel like disrespected like pat white steve slayton like Noel divine like they would juke the crap out of you and you would be looking at the ground legs up Next thing you know, you'll see they're busting a the 7 yard touchdown, 70 yard touchdown versus getting it right over by, say, Justin Forsett. And bad results the same, but like you won't be as. Actually, no, they're both pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like people love the flashiness. And that's what electric kind of means to me. It's just the flashy um, aspect of it versus
2: being flat-out good? Yeah, one guy I would say kind of defines electric as a Pac-12 fan in the mid-2010s would be John Ross, right? Like, you watch that guy, he could beat you deep with the burners. He's probably the best return man. He and Dante Pettis were both great return mans. They could get him in the uh-huh. backfield reverse. Like, you know you're not going to stop that guy in all every facet of the game, but at this, you're just hoping to contain him, and that Washington team on his – I wouldn't say on his back, but he was a large part of why that Washington team was one of the most successful Pac-12 teams we've ever seen. was dominant with the speed.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. No. Like now that we're talking about electric, there's. I uh, will just finish up on this. I just got one last thought. The few guys that I thought we did miss were that a lot of those Florida teams, that like Urban Meyer, your um, Percy Harvin's, your um, Chris Rainey's, your Jeff Dempses of the world, like, they just turned into a track beat every single time he played them. And they were – they just beat you down the field before you could do anything. It's just athletic freaks down there in Florida. Um, But moving on from our electric bracket, uh, speaking of Urban Meyer himself, (laughs) if you guys have had a chance to read The Athletic, article about what went wrong in Jacksonville, you realize that Urban Meyer is not a good human being. He wasn't a good human being pretty much his entire tenure at Jacksonville, not just Jacksonville, but also Ohio State, also Florida. I think he played ball everywhere else in Utah, Bowling Green, everywhere else, but I don't know enough about those stints. But question that came up, For us is how do you think urban wire got a a way of being such a scumbag in the ncaa and how can he pull it off in nfl
2: short answer he wins a lot of football games um everywhere he's won he's won a lot of football games and the minute it hit the fan in jacksonville he was gone because you bring that guy in to win football games you don't bring him in to be a great person you don't bring him in to be this like model role model and it worked in the college level because he had so much recruiting power based on his reputation with utah with florida with osu that it worked once you get to jacksonville it's a different game it's a professional sport you have to be like you have to be able to like deal with these guys as equals more than like okay this is a student athlete i'm the coach they can't say anything to me and i think that sense of like a loss of power really didn't end with Jacksonville. All
0: right. I agree with a lot of it. The whole like power structure concept is a big one. Like you're talking to grown men versus kids fresh out of high school. It's just not going to work that way. Uh, ben, your thoughts yeah. on Urban Meyer and how he was able to go in with it at college versus the NFL.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think, even more than the power structure, is that he won. I, that was Karan's first point. I think it all comes down to that, especially at the college level, because of those boosters that want winning, right? Mm-hmm. Those are who are, like, funding a lot of things at the university. Um, you got Ohio State, especially. It's this massive brand. You better be winning football games if you're at Ohio State. And if you're winning football games, it's not a problem. Um, well, obviously, it is a problem, but In many people's eyes, you know, winning is above all. For example, you know, Ed Orgeron won the national championship. But as soon as LSU started struggling, those Title IX accusations came up, right, because they were looking for a way to get him out because all of a sudden he's not winning anymore. So why keep him? Look at him. Now he's a bad person, right? Even though those things were probably already happening during the championship run as well. Um, So I think that winning games in college – especially, matters a ton, and you can get away with a lot if you're that good of a coach.
0: Yeah. You know, like, winning is huge. And Jacksonville wasn't supposed to expect him to turn around on year one, but to show any sort of progress, and Dane did none of that. And judging by the way how he treated the players in Jacksonville, I expected that to happen. Like, we've heard about the whole Zach Smith stuff in Ohio State. We heard about all the issues going on with the Florida players. Like, so we knew he ran a pretty, like, loose ship and at least with player conduct. And he was trying to be, even though he was trying to be a hard ass in Jacksonville, and he wasn't necessarily that same guy at UF and Ohio State. He was winning, so he was able to let those reins loose. But he was trying to instill his culture day one. But like I said, you're talking to grown men. You try to pull that, they can do anything back at you. And they are grown enough to deal with the repercussions. If you do something in college, next thing you know, you're off the key, off the team. The coach mouths you around circles. And you either got to go to JUCO, D2, D3, like just to build your reputation back up. So his coaching fraternity in college runs deep NFL. He's an outsider. So you can do whatever the fuck you want, basically. Um, If he comes to like urban Meyer being a dick to you. But I said, if you're winning, things won't pop up as much. I mean, like urban was winning at Ohio state and stuff still popped up. Same thing with Florida, but like when he's felt, when stuff started to slip away, you start hearing about those heart problems. You start hear see him like on the sidelines, struggling for dear life. You could already tell he had the escape route. And he's a commitment phobe. He surrounds himself around awful people. He doesn't care to change. Um, honestly, the best thing he should have done was just stay with TV. He's an easy gig. He can criticize whoever he wants. He's got protected because he could just say he's working for television. But the last a scumbag and i'm glad he's gone i'm glad that jacksonville is a new coach and hopefully that that franchise can move on in uh due time and become a 500 level program um because that aoc south is generally not good and if things break absolutely perfect they can make the playoffs i doubt it but who knows they can
1: yeah you know i also do wonder about how successful Urban Meyer would be in this new era of college football with all the one-time transfer rules and the uh, NIL especially, because as you can – I think you can see that coaches have – they still have a ton of power, don't get me wrong, but players have a little bit more freedom now. And it would be interesting to see how how he dealt with that because based on on what happened in Jacksonville with players suddenly having a ton of power – I'm not sure how well he'd deal with his maybe wide receiver three, Jameson Williams, for example, walking up to him and saying, you know, I want to transfer. I'm not getting enough. I'm not getting enough snaps here. So I do wonder if it was like more of a, an era in football that he was successful in and how well he would have dealt with the new age of college football, if you want to call it that.
0: So funny enough, I feel like, an apt comparison to him will be Mullen and this Dan Mullen in the sense that he might not have adapted as well as he should have. Like both are great exes and his coaches. The big difference between Urban and Dan is that Urban will recruit and he can play up to boosters while Dan is kind of lazy in that regard and kind of got complacent at like Mississippi State level of doing stuff. But that's like one of the big differences. The end of the day, it's like they both – um, our great exes knows, is, but they suck with dealing with like personalities. And with people having a lot more freedom in terms of transferring and moving on, I can't see, like, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that it was Ohio State, there'd probably be a lot more transfers out. But the program at that level, people will just stick it up, um, get that brand recognition. And just because of the weight of that name, they'll stay. Unless they get recruited by Jameson, where he moved to Alabama, um, if they have the weight of like the name of Ohio State, they know that they'll be pretty good. Whether they'll get drafted, even though they didn't play as much, or they go on to not play football and move somewhere else in their next phase of life, but like you said, the
1: freedom—you won't see as many guys staying or sucking it out. So, yeah. And uh, the last thing I'll say on that is another good comparison might be Gary Patterson. At TCU, well formerly at TCU. I think a lot of you could read a couple things about him not necessarily dealing with players all that well towards the end of his tenure. Even though he's a fantastic strategic coach by all accounts, um a lot of times you would hear just the most general thing is saying, Oh, look, the game is passed by. And I do wonder if that's the same thing with Urban. It's
0: fair shout. It's a fair shout. Um, any last words, Karan?
1: Um,
2: I, just going back to that article, it's kind of shocking how many people are like surprised by this whole like Urban Meyer thing. We knew this guy was not a good person. His whole team at Florida was, to say the least, a, a group of questionable individuals. And then the way you left OSU was just like that was. I'm. I still know. I'm still. I haven't gotten over that. Just with the allegations coming up and like the heart problems, that was that was ridiculous. So, I don't know. I don't think this is a surprise. And as good as the Nexismo coach as he is, it says a lot about how the game is kind of passed him But as you guys were saying.
0: He's, he's cooked in terms of yeah. NFL. Like, if you plop him in college, I still think he can do a great job. But, like, I don't think that he's – the person that's really outlasted all these decades has been Zabin. But – I mean, on one hand, we have seen Urban adjust a little bit by bringing, like, all that talent down south to Ohio, but there's a whole different learning field in terms of not recruiting, but keeping and evolving. So I don't see Kim succeeding at that anytime soon. Um, but moving on from Urban, we are – actually, this is somewhat related. Uh, we have coaching carousels. Um, While the football carousel is over, the college basketball carousel has kept going, kept going, kept going. It'll probably continue going all the way through uh, championship weekend in April. Um, So to our viewers that don't necessarily watch college basketball, um, we're going to try to explain, like, the differences between the, car- the coaching carousel of football and the coaching carousel of basketball. Like, so to begin, do you, any of you guys follow college basketball, like, coaching carousels as deeply at all compared to football? Or
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty deep into the, the coaching carousels, I would say. Um, I would start out by saying that the FBI scandals that have rocked college basketball over the past few years – Play a huge role in a lot of these cases, um, especially in the case of LSU. So LSU got their notice of allegations from the Will Wade hiring, um, where he made quote a strong ass offer to one of their to one of their players. Um, they didn't like what they saw, so they fired Will Wade immediately, essentially, which was pretty shocking considering LSU was a six seed in March Madness, and this was like probably right around Selection Sunday that this happened. Um, But what you saw was that a lot of big-time college coaches said no to LSU, which is sort of surprising given the amount of resources that LSU would have. And I just – I think the difference between college basketball and college football is that you can't overcome NCAA violations in the same way, even at big programs. I don't think anyone would shy – I mean – an equivalent to LSU and football, like in basketball to, to football would maybe be like, what, what would you say a mid-tier SEC football team is? Maybe like an Ole Miss. We'll say an Ole Miss. Right. Maybe. You, I think you can overcome NCAA violations at a much higher rate in Ole Miss football than you can at LSU basketball. And I think that's one of the main differences between the coaching carousels. Eventually they did get a really good coach in Murray State's Matt McMahon, But I do think it's interesting that the difference, even though it's the same college, essentially.
0: I'll say for me, uh, the big difference is that the football carousel is, I mean, not in terms like length, but it's also a lot more bizarre and insane. in the fact that people will track flights all the time of private airports and they'll make, they'll, track locations still use every single resource, like known to man, like also folks, please check message boards during uh, coaching searches. They are the most entertaining thing you'll see. Um, But yeah, no college searches. Like I know Florida, like for example, Florida wasn't necessarily looking to let Mike white go. They were going to let him like play another year through his contract, but by the time Mike White left officially for Georgia and by the time they hired uh, San Francisco's coach, it was pretty quick turnaround versus football, where if you fire your coach around, say – I mean, I know that nowadays the timeline sped up because of um, early signing day, um, but beforehand, football, you at least had to go, like, weeks um, without – I mean, weeks with the coach search where you had multiple interviews – and you just look all over and I don't know, I just feel like the breadth and the involvement of the college football carousel, cause it's a, probably a larger uh, donor pool, unless you're say Duke or North Carolina or like those basketball blue bloods, like everybody else, the football uh, pool is just so big that there's so much more involvement that it just feels like it's a lot bigger. Than what it should be. So, at least that's what I take away from it.
1: Yeah. Well, also you have to consider how much larger football staffs are yeah. than basketball. Because basketball, you get three assistants and you get like a director of player personnel and a couple other people, right? But football, that's that's nothing. It's nothing compared to football. Like you're gonna have at least ten main coaches, probably. I think is is around. Yeah, ten, 10 on, on field. field. Ten on field. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of more moving pieces, I would say, um, in the in the college football coaching search as well. So you're never gonna see like Todd Golden, uh, San Francisco's coach that you referred to that took the Florida job, lost to lost his game in the NCAA tournament. And then maybe the morning after or maybe the, the day after that, he was hired at Florida. And this this was already in agreement, probably yeah. before he ever coached that NCAA tournament game. But you you're still never gonna really see that in college football. So I think If you want more like fast paced decisions, college basketball is for you. But if you college basketball coaching carousels for you, but if you want just, I guess, crazy, like you said, insane stories, uh, followings, just deep dives into what actually happened. College football coaching carousels are unmatched, I would say.
0: That's true. Um, Karan, uh, do you have anything before I go back and have another point?
2: All right, My bad. I, w- I would say with um, college football, there's a lot more lateral movement when it comes to coaching like changes. We just saw it with Lincoln Riley especially. Whereas in basketball, you're looking at, okay, Murray State's guy, he worked his way up. Now he's going to LSU, San Francisco, going to Florida. You're kind of like, you're looking for these smaller guys who work their way up and then boom, you're taking their coach. You never hear about that team again. Whereas with college football especially now like you're seeing with the transfer portal you're seeing these like guys taking a lateral job and then bringing their guys with them Caleb Williams when he when Lincoln Riley hired got hired to USC boom transfer portal and then he pulls in a ton of guys recruits are flipping and at this on the topic of recruits recruiting is also a bigger thing because with college basketball you're trying to get 13 guys who are you to know, be on your team and just play, whereas with football, you're looking for whole, like, areas that you're kind of making your pipeline, and we talked about that with Urban Meyer. He took the Southern recruits to Ohio and whatnot, so I think there's just a lot more, like, stuff going on in football, whereas with basketball, you can just find a really talented coach, and then, yeah, that's your guy. There's a lot more to consider with football.
0: Yeah, I know, like, I'm going to push back on that lateral movement a little bit because I was thinking that In college basketball, like, you'll have coaches that will take lateral jobs just for the fact that there's, like, pressure mounting on them. Like, so you have Kevin Willard. I mean, he wasn't in any danger of being fired at um, Seton Hall, but he went to Maryland. Granted, Maryland has a lot better resources, but they fired a coach that's been much more successful in a tournament compared to Kevin Willard. So that's kind of lateral for Maryland. And then you talk about the Mike Whites, who left Florida for Georgia, arguably a worse job. Um, you have the likes of, like going back then, you had Bob Huggins, who um, left, actually no, I can't use Bob Huggins, because Kansas State was a worse job than West Virginia. But um, you'll have cases like that, where uh, guys will leave jobs to either before they get pushed out or they just leave for leave. Like I think Shaheen Holloway, right. The reason why I think he got the St. Peter's job is because the coach that was there at St. Peter's beforehand left for another job in conference. Like, so you'll have these guys, they'll do that. And I think the only time that's happened in college football recently were the Houston nut when he went from Arkansas to Ole Miss. And then we had, um, Jay Norval go from Nevada to Colorado State. So you have guys like that, but I don't feel like it's as much frequently as it is in college basketball. And, like, I don't know, the fear to get fired, I feel is a lot more prevalent in college basketball than is football. Because football, like, you know you'll have the time unless you completely bomb it. In basketball, it's been an arms race for a long time now.
1: Yeah, I, no, would, I, I would say, say uh, yeah, you can go. I was just going to put on another example. I think probably the best, like, purely college basketball example is Shaka Smart, going from Texas to Marquette. You don't really ever see a fallback like that, I would say, in college football where a coach willingly leaves a school with so many resources, so much power, so much money, to go take a job that is simply less pressure because – College football um, is really hard to succeed, I think, without that amount of resources, whereas, whereas college basketball, if you get like three players that are studs, right, you're going to win a fair amount of games, no matter what I think. Um, so I think it's just ultimately harder, a lot harder to build a program in football just because of the amount of amount of manpower you need, Um and, yeah, so I, I think Shaka Smart, you don't really see a case, unless you want to consider Dana Holgerson going from West Virginia to Houston. But even that's a little weird because Houston's – so basically Houston's in the Big 12 now. They're basically in the same conference. But you don't really see that fallback, um, fallback effect like Shaka Smart did a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, like the only other person I could think of is Tommy Tuberville that went from Auburn to Texas Tech to Cincinnati to U.S. Senator. So wouldn't even call that a fallback. He kind of went full circle, but uh, I digress.
2: Yeah, I would, I would say I, I agree with you guys on that, looking into it more, but I would also say there's a lot more college basketball jobs. Like there's a lot more teams that are kind of, I, I don't want to be rude to like lower end college football teams, but more relevant in a sense of like how much they like, if they're going to be a competitive team and whether they're going to be on TV and whatnot. So yeah, I do think there's a lot more opportunities
0: there. That's true. You're talking about what 300 plus um, yeah. Division One basketball schools versus 130 FBS and FCS isn't my strong suit, so I'm not even going to try to guess how many FCS schools are out yeah, there. And
2: at the same time, like a lot of these, like Butler comes to mind as an FCS school in college football. And so you don't really think of those teams that much. Whereas in college basketball, it's kind of like everyone is there. Everyone can make the tournament. It's, I see it as a bit better. At the same time, I do like the FCS. I like the way they do things. So, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting in contrast.
0: Very, very interesting. Um, any last words on – Carousel, any last words on coaching? All righty. So before we go, speaking of college basketball, it is March Madness. The Sweet 16 starts on Thursday. And we are going to try to create a team, uh, each of us, of five players that were in the playoff or in college football in general and just create a best five, create the best five. Um, Only rule is that they have to be returning. So no Chris Olave, no Garrett Wilsons, um, no Jordan Davises. So none of those that have left for the draft, everybody else, fair game. Oh, also like no anybody that's like dealing with any sort of issues, just to
1: make sure that they are available. Okay, do you, want, um, you want to do a snake draft for this or uh, snake draft is nice. Okay, so all right. all right, so
0: let me just count. On, um, how are we gonna do some random number generator? There, close here. All right, so do a number from one to 100 here. Close. Hold on. I'll do it on, okay, I'll do it here. Can you see my screen?
1: Yep, we got it. All
0: right, so pick the number we'd say one and 100. Uh, you guys pick one, pick any number.
1: Uh, 33. Oh. Right, so I was gonna
2: I was actually gonna say 33 but uh, <laughs> 33. I'll, I'll go a bit closer to 100 I'll go 72 33 72
0: 57 whoever's closest goes for You to choose where they go 33 57 72 okay. all righty uh, hey. you, all right pick your spot you want to go first second or third
2: um we'll go second
0: second okay uh,
1: you must go our same numbers for the other part. Yeah, you can. You just take the second pick. You're good. No, you took the second pick. Yeah, I nah, took 33. You were closer. Now I'm saying, like you, you pick oh, what yeah. you want to go to first or third, Doug.
0: Oh, I mean, I was just going to do this again, but all right. oh, okay, yeah. All right, so 33, 52. That's I you. Will, I will go third. Fuck. righty. I go first. So, first pick for me is I'll go full homer. Brock Bowers, just give me him. What he does on the field is totally not normal. Um, If he does play basketball, I imagine he'd put up 25 and 10 a game. That's my first number one pick. Brock Bowers. Best tight end in the country, best overall talent in the country, calling it
2: now. Jeron, you are up next. All right. So at number two, I'm gonna go a bit smaller, but I think in terms of athleticism and whatnot, this is one of the better picks you can make. Jackson Smith and Jigba can jump great with pick. anyone. It's faster, great body control. It's it's a no-brainer for me. I think yeah. he'd be a great scorer. I think he'd be a great scorer if he played basketball, get to the rock. I'm sure he could defend. It's, there's nothing he can't really do. Okay.
1: Great pick. So I, with my third pick, I'm just going to go full on athlete here. I'm going to take Will Anderson from Alabama. Um, I think he showed his freakish skills in football. Um, during his time, with the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I think those will translate. He's got a great body for, for basketball as well. Has a strong two guard. Um, I love him. I love him with this pick for third. And then um, for my fourth pick, I will go this – is, this is a tough one. Give me a second. So are we going – so I'm sorry. Are we going basketball skills? Like how good we think we'd be at basketball, or are we going off of football? Oh, well, I
2: guess. There's I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I like, I heard your
1: first two picks and I was a little bit confused. <laughs> so, I mean, the first two picks work for football.
0: Like, I mean, first three work for football and also first three work for basketball, too.
1: So, right. I guess. It depends. How do so you want Football or basketball? I'm good with either, but I was prepared for football. <laughs> so, I'm kind of just are about I mean, hop- if you want to do football, we could do football. Well, which one? Which one? Are you doing, Krone?
2: what did you say? I'm just gonna. Kind of, I'm sticking in the middle. Like, yeah, these guys are dominant football players who also have athletic traits that can kind of show up on the court, and I think that's the ideal way to do it. Got that's it. fair enough. Okay,
1: okay. Perfect. perfect. All right, I'll go then with my, with my fourth pick. I'm going to get with Bryce Young. Fuck, double Alabama. Um, Bryce Young is, you know returning Heisman quarterback but also I think he'd be a fantastic point guard running the show for my basketball team um great signal caller I love I love him with this fourth pick I think I got two great ones out of out of Tuscaloosa. So do you see the video of Bryson Cooping? I uh, I don't I've probably seen it in passing but what what's up with it?
0: He's good.
2: Yeah. That's why I want
0: I got a, I got a bar
1: with mine.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah, you know, I want I wanted a guy who could see the floor. You know, yeah. Bryce, Bryce Hang would have been a great pick. But at the same time, I also want a dominant big. So, I'm going to go with Jalen Carter from Georgia. Dominant force up front. Even with, you know, all those guys that Georgia had on their line, he still showed out. And I think he's going to be dominant next year as well. Maybe even better than the other two guys that were there. And I think he would be a great center.
0: Okay. Good choice. Good choice. Um, for me – I will go with Darnell Washington, another Jordan tight end. 6'7", 260. That boy is big, even for football standards. So he's going to be a great target for whatever point or quarterback that can get him the ball. At the same time, he's arguably the biggest player that's been drafted in terms of height. And he's fluid. He's fluid. He can maneuver in and out. And if he plays basketball, out the to paint. So loading up on Georgia tight ends. And so I'm going to need somebody to get them the ball. I need to get a facilitator here. Um, CJ Stroud would work for football, but I don't think he'd work for basketball. I don't think he's fluid enough as an athlete. Um, athletic, but not fluid enough. Um, this is tough. You already took Bryce, which actually hurts a lot. Um All right, gun to my head. Picking. Oh, all right. I'll go with Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman can move. Plays the game pretty well, pretty smooth. You know, not everybody's going to be God's given greatest athletes like the other two, but I can make it work. I can make it work. So give me Sam Hartman as my guy.
2: Um, so the first pick, I believe, was Brock Bowers. Yes. And keeping it big, I just want Jalen Carter. I'm going to go with, at worst, the second-best tight end in the nation. Maybe the best, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Another just freak athlete. He's going to get to the rock. and Yeah, I mean, these guys, we're, the tight ends next year are going to be insane compared to the past few years we've been seeing.
1: Yeah, that's a solid pick. Um, with mine, I'm going to go a little bit – to my roots as a, UVA, as a UVA student, and go with Ryan Swoboda. He is a right tackle who is very good in pass blocking. He actually just transferred to UCF for his final year. He went back home to Florida. But listen to this six foot 10, 325. Oh, damn. A, a massive human being. He's gonna protect my paint, and I think I can't go wrong with him on the basketball court. I really like this pick. Or on the basketball side, especially, but he's also been a great right tackle at UVA for the past couple of years. Wanted to give him a shout out. Um, and then for my second pick, this is this is a tough one because I can go in a different in a few different few different directions for this, but I think I'm gonna go with a burner and try and pick up Jordan Addison out of Pitt. Ah. Yeah. I really like this pick. He's a super strong athlete, um, fantastic receiver at for the Panthers, but I love him as this bucket getter on my team that I think can really light people up. Um, and yeah, that's I'm going with that as my pick for uh, for my fourth pick. You know, I hate you right now, right? <laughs> you got it. I like
2: third. So for my last pick, I figured I'd go with a quarterback or a point guard. You know, someone who can see the floor. And I'm kind of conflicted. You know, at, the, at, at one end, you want to, you want a guy who like sees the floor. He's a smart dude. So like, I was thinking kind of Stetson Bennett. But I'd figure I figured I'd take I'd take a wild card and I, I'll go KJ Jefferson. I think he provides a bit of both worlds. He's a dynamic player, but he also sees the field pretty well. Does what he's asked to do. So I think he could make a pretty good point guard if he played basketball.
0: Alrighty, here we go. Um, so I picked Bowers, Watson, Hartman. Okay, so damn, I got to go too. Okay, um, so for me, give me. So make sure get my. Okay, give me Eli Ricks. That's my next choice. Need another person next to a man's Hartman. Uh, Ricks, I do think, can play off ball, can play on ball. And with Ballers and Washington being the guys in the paint, I think we can cook. We can cook. And then finally, Jermaine Burton, speedster down the court, gets open, gets separation, on the field, on the court. That's my five. Very SEC-centric
1: because somebody stole my picks. What can I do? What can I do? Karan, you got one more or are you filled up?
0: You're muted. He's second. You're muted. You're Yeah, you're second.
2: And then Ben's. Also. Okay, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't sure if I had an extra pick, but yeah. uh, I'll have to think about this one. Probably go big again. Um this is hard. Uh you took Eli Ricks. I'll go with I'll go with someone that I know can like he's got the speed, he's got the strength. I'll go with Bijan Robinson.
0: Okay, good and
2: choice. To, yeah know, just off the wing, I think he can really just like, – he's a matchup nightmare. Um, yeah, I, li- I like the way he-, he plays, and he's a very strong runner, very physical.
0: Okay.
1: And um, I'll round it out. So, for a recap, I got a uh, – I got a point guard to Bryce Young. I got this streaky shooter, uh, two-guard Jordan Addison. Got the do-it-all small forward and Will Anderson. I got my big center in Ryan Svoboda, so what I'm missing is a classic power forward that's going to bang it inside, get you those, he's not he's not super flashy, he'll get you 10 points and eight rebounds a game, and what I like out of this is Miles Murphy, defensive tackle from Clemson, it's a big 6'6", 275, beast on the football field, but I also think he fit in perfectly with my basketball rotation, and I really like my team. I think we're going to go far in much badness.
0: we all righty. We're going to put this to the test, you know? Like, we're going to have – going to see whether we can create a graphic and see who's starting five is the best, both football basketball, potentially. But we're going to make this happen. I do think my team's the best, even though I got sniped, like, four different times, but it's neither here nor there.
2: But I I think I got a good balance of players, you know, a lot of size, a lot of speed. I could definitely say I could see that working in the tournament, you know?
0: Yeah, 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 no. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. If we do, like, do a poll, we need to, like, create a set of roles, like, game to 21 or game to 21 full court. Yeah, because, like, if you do, like, 40 minutes, it doesn't make sense because it's just, like... You'll be having, like, defensive tackles playing full court. Like, yeah. that shit's not going to work. But this is on point. But, um, guys, any last words in regards to tonight's episode? Like, any sort of closing thoughts about the future? Anything you're looking forward to coming up?
2: Um, spring ball coming around the corner a lot of spring games are going to be coming up that should be awesome and also obviously the nfl draft is pretty much a month away nfl is kind of straight away from free agency now it's kind of slowing down so yeah we'll start to see how these picks are going to look and a lot more clarity so yeah i enjoyed talking to
1: you guys though
0: yeah i appreciate yeah. that anything for you ben
1: uh, i'm in pretty much the same i'm Virginia had its first spring practice today. Really looking forward to getting down to see as many games, spring games as possible, seeing what the next year college football has in store, because I think it's going to be a really good one. All right.
0: That's good. For me, it's not even spring ball. I'm looking, I'm a draft. I look like forward to the draft. I'm looking forward to all my favorite players getting drafted, getting get their lives changed. Um, but before we do go, I just want to bring everybody's attention to the monstrosity has happened on uh, college football today. Vanderbilt got any logos, everybody. I just want to talk about that real quick before we head off air, because that is, that is criminal. I'm sorry. like why? I don't know what is up with everybody being this minimalist design nowadays. Like, Not everything needs to be on a letterhead. Now everything needs to be a template. Like, college logos are supposed to be goofy. The goofy ones are timeless. Like, the star and the V were perfect. Star V is perfect. There was nothing that needed to be changed. I mean, over time, you can probably play with the size of it, but, like, in terms of the actual concept, no. Instead, you're sticking with this generic V it's about mm-hmm. as bad as the western michigan one a few years ago like stop paying these firms all this garbage and you like i know why you do it is because it's easy way to get merch sales like all that but it's stupid i hate it stop it not everything needs to be a brand
2: yeah, just like i, left I left. just i just looked at that design and it just it's it screams like I don't know how to explain it, but like developmental football league, like XFL, USFL, like all those type of logos. It just seems very like generic and kind of, it's not going to like ruin the jersey. It's not going to ruin the brand, but it's just like there's nothing there. Yeah. It's the most minimalistic approach you could have taken.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I got to agree with both Like when I saw the V and the star, like that was Vanderbilt, right? I know that's Vanderbilt. And now I don't think that people are going to look at that V and say, Wow, look at Nashville, right? That's not going to be the first thing that pops up in their mind. I don't know what it's going to be for me. It was the History Channel logo. That's what that looked like to me. But, um, but that, yeah. Stick with your guts. Stick with your guts, man. Like I, that's that's all I can say on that.
0: Yeah, man. man. Like it's it's bad. I just want to pray for all the fallen logos. Smiling Benny from Oregon State. All the sailor hats that happened from like the 1950s onward, especially sailor Baylor, Do respect for bringing them back. Um, gonna miss that. Uh, just please, you're not a big 10 school. You don't need a lo- letter as your logo. It works for the big 10. Because the Big Ten are old. They're old. Everybody accepts letters. Accepts letters. Damn, I can't speak. Everybody accepts letters because they're old. It doesn't work out less outside of USC or UCLA or Oregon or Cal or Washington. Actually, it does work for the only ones that doesn't work for is Arizona State, really. I'm going to now think about Arizona State, all the states, really. The letters don't work, but everywhere else, does. those. But I digress I'm sorry, going on a tangent But Vandy, long story short Y'all fucked up And That should do it for this week's episode uh, We will see you next week Maybe same crew, maybe different But hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to The Transfer Portal Presented by No Context CFB Adios y'all